It's Tuesday, April 17, 2018, and this is a great, great America. Previously on the show... The California attack, where these animals, they're total animals, they became radicalized. Before President Trump, no one was admitting that Muslims in America were the problem. We need to ban Islam in America. And then they'll go, and they'll go away, which is fine. They'll go away. But then we let them come back into the country. Because nobody wants to take away their rights. Do you believe this? It's so unbelievable. My story of a great, great America is one that my father told me about thumping trash cans when he was growing up in Oklahoma. One spring, back in the 1960s, when my dad and aunt were children, the family's farmhouse had developed the telltale signs of a rodent infestation. They found little pellets of poop in the cupboards. Some of the burlap sacks of food in the pantry developed holes. They couldn't see the visitors, but something was definitely living in their house. So my grandpa put out rat traps. For several days, they woke in the mornings to find that the traps had been sprung and the cheese would be missing. But there were no animal bodies in the traps. Whatever was in their house was too smart, or too big, to get their necks snapped in a trap. Now, my grandmother wasn't exactly a hippie, but she loved Eastern religions. She loved animals, and she thought that a more humane trap would work better. So she put a big dollop of peanut butter on one end of a ruler. She balanced the ruler on the kitchen counter so that the peanut butter edge hung off in the air. Then she put a trash can underneath the peanut butter ruler. The idea was that a rodent on the counter would walk across the ruler to get to the peanut butter. Then his body weight would cause him and the ruler to fall into the trash can still alive. The next morning, the whole family woke to the sound of the trash can rattling. Something was bouncing and thrashing around violently inside the metal can. My dad and aunt were too scared to look inside, so they brought my grandparents out to investigate. When the family walked up and looked in the trash can, they discovered the largest rat any of them had ever seen. It nearly jumped out of the trash can several times. It had huge red eyes, gray fur, well-formed hands and feet, and a long tail that whipped against the metal of the can every time he thrashed. Grandpa wanted to kill it immediately, but Grandma wouldn't have it. She had recently started experimenting with vegetarianism. She insisted, this is a living creature and we need to honor it. She took the thumping trash can to the back porch and let the monster rodent go free. Of course, the rat problem continued. She set up more of the humane traps all around the house. She caught dozens of monster rats every week and kept setting them outside. But the problem never got better. Before the family could have friends or neighbors over, they had to hide all the trash can traps so people didn't realize how bad things had become. Grandma and Grandpa loved each other very much, but they were very different people. Grandpa worked as an engineer, but he was raised as a farmer. His dad was a farmer. His granddad was a farmer. These were men of few words who didn't keep their chakras aligned or whatever. He was nearing the end of his patience with the rat problem. One morning, Grandpa put on a thick leather welding glove, reached his hand into one of the thrashing metal cans, and pulled out a giant rat by the tail. It flailed around, trying to bite and scratch him through the leather glove. 
He looked at his wife and said, You are catching the same rats over and over. You dump them on the back porch, and they just run back into the house through whatever holes are in the crawl space. He grabbed a knife from the cutlery drawer and strode to the back porch. Grandma followed him. George, do not kill that rat. When he got outside, the rat was contorting, twisting, and yelping as Grandpa held it by the tail. When Grandma came running out after him, he sliced the rat's tail, and the rat's body fell to the ground while his tail remained in his grip. He kicked at the disfigured rat as it ran away, screaming into the undergrowth. Grandpa threw the tail into the yard and said, He'll be back. Sure enough, Grandma caught the tailless rat two days later, and again three days after that. She tried dumping them further away from the house. This increased the number of days between catches, but the same tailless rat always found a way back into the house. Finally, in frustration, she said, Okay, George, why don't you fix the house so they can't get back in? A lesser man would have continued to argue for killing the rats. Grandpa didn't always understand Grandma, but he loved her very much. Maybe this was a solution that could solve the family's rat problem and make her happy in the process. To his credit, he started patching up the house little by little each weekend. And to my grandma's credit, she changed her approach too. She screwed together some old boards and metal grating into a crate behind the garage. She stopped dumping the rats on the back porch over and over. Instead, whenever she caught one, she stuck it in the crate behind the garage. And as she put more of the rats in the crate, there were fewer and fewer in the traps. Eventually, the family only needed one trap. And even then, they only caught a rat every two or three days. To me, this is the most important part of this story. You can't just keep dumping the rats on the back porch without spending all your time and energy catching rats. Until you have a solid perimeter, you have to secure the rats you catch. Over the next few months, my grandpa scoured around the foundation and plugged every hole in the crawl space. My grandma fed the rats, but she never grew to love them. They fought each other constantly. They gave birth frequently. They ate each other. They ate each other's babies. When the foundation was done, my grandma was relieved to finally let the rats go free. This is not just some quaint story from a simpler time in our nation's history. This is the same situation we find ourselves in with the immigrants today. If you just dump them in Mexico, they'll crawl back through the holes in the fences a few months later. We need to build a wall. And like my grandmother, we need to keep them in a secure place while we're building that wall. We will feed them and care for them. We will let them go when we're done with the wall. But we can't just keep dumping them on the back porch. And then it turned out that I was right. And people started to see the violence and the crime. And they saw so many people killed violently and viciously. The other night, the woman, 66-year-old veteran, raped, sodomized, brutally killed by an illegal immigrant. We got to stop. We got to bring back our country. We got to take it back. We got to take it back.
Remember that the labor from captured illegal immigrants has been crucial to building the wall. No one believed Trump when he said Mexico would pay for the wall. And now they're upset that we're using all that free labor Mexico kept sending us. It's like they want America to fail. Construction, bricklaying, and digging are basically the only non-criminal skills these people have. Instead of doing illegal things and then sending the money overseas, they're using those skills to build the great Trump wall right here in America. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. But I speak to border guards, and they tell us what we're getting. And it only makes common sense. It only makes common sense. They're sending us not the right people. It's coming from more than Mexico. It's coming from all over South and Latin America, and it's coming from the Middle East. The people who say we deny them human dignity don't know what real human dignity is. Raping is not dignity. Murdering is not dignity. These people get the chance to build the greatest structure in the history of mankind and pay off their country's debt in the process. For many of these people, working on the Great Trump Wall is the only time in their lives they have ever actually done anything worth being proud of. They finally have dignity. The rat story isn't a perfect analogy, though. The crawl space around my grandparents' house was no Trump wall. Even after my grandfather patched up the crawl space, the rats kept finding their way back in. After a while, even Grandma admitted that they just needed to kill them. A great, great America has received an invitation to cover the grand opening of the first section of the Trump wall on Friday, May 5th. The high-security nature of the event means we can't broadcast live, but we will be able to do our normal show on Tuesday, May 8th. No doubt the Trump Wall will be remembered as one of the wonders of the world, alongside the pyramids, the hanging gardens, or the library at Alexandria. We are excited and honored to be able to document this once-in-a-lifetime event. If you want to tell your story of a great, great America, join us on the Internet at www.ovenfriend.com or on Reddit at r slash A-G-G-A. We are accepting applications for strong moderators. Until we meet again next week, let's make America great again.